Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, Monday morning. How we feeling? Really good. Really good. Uh, I happen to, we won't spend a lot of time on it because we're not the, uh, we're not the NFL on three show, but uh, I think that Bill's Chiefs game was probably the best football game I've ever watched in my whole life. Well, it's funny you say that. My dad texted me you know, right as it went into overtime and said the exact same thing. He's like, I- I'm pretty sure this is the best football game I've ever watched in my life. So, you know, when I saw you say that on Twitter, I was like, man, I mean, it, it, yeah, I can't disagree. And I missed a lot of the beginning, but really I, I was finally able to get done with the stuff that I was doing right as things really started to, uh, to get kind of crazy there in the fourth quarter, uh, beginning of the fourth quarter, really. But um, the entire fourth just seemed like it was back and forth and, and pretty wild to watch. And then, watched overtime it ridiculous overtime rules i think everybody's pretty upset with it you know josh allen doesn't even get a chance to touch the football um that, that just seems very unfair but we're that's not what we're here to talk about we are also not here to talk about the alabama basketball team today even though they are on a couple game win streak after beating uh, missouri which i thought was was big you know really came out flat struggled to start but was able to pick it up was able to fight and claw and scratch their way back you know they got a little bit of a spark from some guys off the bench, you know, it just, it was a, an encouraging performance. So if you want to just real quick, you can say whatever you want to about the basketball team. Cause you know, they, they're finally starting to do the things they need to do. And it's not necessarily pretty. They still got a lot they need to work on, but at least they're heading in the right direction and they've stopped the bleeding and they're getting they're you know, putting a couple of uh, stringing together, a couple of victories in a row heading into this Georgia matchup. Yeah. This is what really good teams do. Really good teams win one of two ways. They play really good, and they're so much better than the opposition. They win easily because they're talented and they play well. That's one way to win. The other Auburn. way to win, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's how Auburn wins yeah. <laughs> just about every game. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, the other way to win is when you're a good team, but you're not playing well, and you find a way. I think Alabama's done that two games in a row where they're, they're not playing well. They're continuing to not play well. But now they're finding a way to win the game, which is all that matters. It's not basketball's not style points. It's not about margin of victory. It's not about impressing pollsters, although we do have polls and but you know they're they're, they're largely meaningless. Uh, it's just about finding a way to win the game. And Alabama's team has done that through some scrappiness and rebounding. And now that they found a way to win like that, when they do turn this around and start playing well again, and I 100% believe that that's the case. They will, at some point, start playing really well. Uh, now they also have some scrappiness and some hustle and some intensity to them. And what I hope, what I hope this is building towards, Clint, is a team that's absolutely playing as well as they can play starting about roughly March 5th or 10th. Somewhere in there, that's when you turn it on. That's when you play your best basketball of the year. And that's when you achieve great things. If the team achieves great things in March, no one will remember this 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 bad stretch. 
Yeah, and I mean, guys like Britton Johnson coming in, you know, just for a couple of minutes. That's all it really took, though, to, to kind of provide yep. a spark. So give him a lot of credit. Uh, you got Georgia tomorrow at 530 on the SEC Network, and then you got yourself a little bit of a, a tough run here with Baylor and Auburn and Kentucky, you know, and then, of course, you got Ole Miss, and then you got Arkansas. I mean, but th that three-game stretch of Baylor, Auburn, and Kentucky, that's going to be tough, man. So they need really need to get a victory against Georgia tomorrow, have a three-game win streak going in and get that game towards the end of the month on the 29th against Baylor. But exciting stuff, man. So it's a fun team to watch when they're playing well, and they're still trying to get back there. They're still not shooting the, the ball great. But, you know, they're at least, uh, like I said, moving in the right direction. But we're here to talk about two things today, Jimmy. We're here to talk about Jermaine Burton, uh, kind of a big deal. He committed to Alabama yesterday. He's going to be exiting the transfer portal, uh, crossing the state lines and exiting the transfer portal. And then also the uh, on 300, the final on 300 rankings were released earlier this morning. You've got five different players, Alabama players, who were able to get five-star status. And we'll talk about those. We'll talk about a couple of these other guys. We'll talk about the other transfers, you know, that Alabama's landing. Uh, just really a, a lot to talk about. So just we'll start off by talking about Jermaine Burton. And you just give me kind of what were your initial thoughts were. I think we all saw this kind of coming and then there was reports from some places saying that jt daniels and jermaine burton were a package deal which when you read that it makes sense because it really felt like that jermaine burton was looking elsewhere when stetson bennett was choosing to return and jt daniels enters the portal and he looks at that and, and you know it kind of he, he did some good things with jt daniels at quarterback so it kind of makes sense um, that he would enter the portal. So when someone says that they were a package deal, it's like, okay, I mean, you know, I don't know why you would handcuff yourself to JT Daniels, even though I think he's a good quarterback, but that apparently ended up not being the case. And now he's going to be playing with the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. So just tell me your initial thoughts on Burton. Well, as a player, uh, there's a ton to like, I mean, a ton to like. Uh, he, he's not small at six foot, 200 pounds. Uh, he is very fast. I mean, we're talking about a verified 4-4 in high school at the opening. Uh, with with an extremely good three nine shuttle time, so this is an elite athlete that's good size. Uh, even though he doesn't have a metric ton of production at Georgia, the production is still impressive in a couple of ways. I think he's on on about forty eight catches, already has nine or ten touchdowns, which is a really good ratio of catch to touchdown. He's also averaging over seventeen yards a, a reception over two seasons. So this is a guy who makes plays, who scores touchdowns even though he doesn't play in an offense that's a throw first or a real vertical type offense. Uh, in terms of what he's going to do for Alabama, I think he's really good. I, I, I don't, I think it's unfair to say, okay, Alabama's replaced Jamison Williams as, as wide receiver one, and he's going to have 1400 yards worth of production and, and be a Blitnikoff finalist. That's not fair to the kid probably isn't accurate. And it's also not imperative that he bring that to the table. But what he does bring to the table is I see a kid who uses his body and hands, no drops last year, uses a bot, his body and his hands to where he can move the chains and sort of repl replace John Mechie as the Tide's best possession receiver. It's third and seven. You got to have it. He's the guy who can get open and move the chains. But what makes him special is he also is a vertical threat. This is a guy who can take the top off of defense, get deep, beat the safety, split the safeties beat a corner on a go route down the sidelines. He can do that too. So I see him as a little bit of Mechie, a little bit of Jamison, but mostly what he is, is he's wide receiver one. 
that allows Alabama's fleet of young receivers because, frankly, all of the rest of them are young. Brooks now doesn't have to be thrown into the deep end of the pool. JoJo Earl doesn't have to be thrown into the deep end. Those receivers can now develop at their own pace because Burton can carry the load while those guys learn to play. So it's huge. Uh, It's transformed Alabama's receiving core. It's one more piece to this puzzle that Alabama's putting together. And, uh, man, if you want to get really excited, this Alabama team in so many ways this fall is going to be a machine. It's still slightly flawed. No team will ever be perfect. But, uh, boy, Nick Saban's really putting something together for this fall. He really is, yeah. And what I like about Burden and being able to add him to the group, and we talked about it, you know, I talked about it on Twitter, and we talked about it a little bit on the, the, the BCS Alabama message board, is the experience that he brings to the table. You know, he's played close to 900 snaps in his career so far in two years. Ja'Cory Brooks for Alabama has the most returning snaps of any receiver at 326. Um, so he's got, you know, almost triple that. So he's a very experienced player. He's played a lot of high-level football. He's been productive. You got to understand he's been in a very limited Georgia passing offense. That's going to hold him back a little bit going from that to, you know, what he's going to see in Alabama's offense with Bryce Young throwing the football. He's going to have an upgraded quarterback. He's going to have an upgrade as far as the, the amount of times they're willing to throw the football. Um, and that should present a lot more opportunities. And we expect him to make a lot more plays with those opportunities. And I love your breakdown of his skill set because, you know, I agree. I, I more so view him on the John Mechie side of things than the Jamison Williams. And the reason being is John Mechie, people don't really realize he wasn't needed too much on the vertical stuff because you had Jamison Williams. But the year before, back in 2020, he saw a lot of vertical targets downfield and he made plays with them. So he has the ability to push the ball or be a vertical threat and, and have explosive plays downfield. But he also thrived on the short to intermediate stuff and you have the deep threat in Jamison Williams. So, you know, you didn't need him to do that as much. Jermaine Burton, he can win at all three levels of the field too. Um, I don't think, you know, his deep uh, ability is on an elite level like a Jamison Williams, but I think he's certainly good enough in that area where you can utilize him if you need him uh, to use him in that role and use some of these other guys. You know, Ja'Cory Brooks is kind of that big-bodied X receiver. You know, Treshawn Holden's going to win a lot on the underneath stuff. He's not going to be a guy who's going to push vertically. JoJo Earl, you know, you could push him vertically a little bit from the slot. He's going to be playing in the slot a lot. We saw Jamison Williams get moved to the slot, and, and they would use him on vertical routes from there. Ajay Hall, kind of the same way. He's got some vertical speed, probably more so than a lot of those other guys I just mentioned. But uh, I think he can win at all three levels of the field once he becomes more consistent with some things. So, you know, they've, and in this freshman class, they have a lot of guys who can win vertically, but none of them are proven talents. So, Burton, you know, adding him to the group, you're adding experience, you're adding, you know, what we didn't realize, you know, you had John Mechie coming back last year, you had Slade Bolden, but Jameson Williams was targeted for a very specific reason. And Nick Saban talked about it, and we all thought that because he was specifically saying, okay, this is something he's going to be able to add to our offense, you know, and that's having somebody that can push vertically, we thought that that would be the main areas that he would be used and that that would only be a limited part of Alabama's offense. And it was such a big, massive part of it that he ended up having a, the, I think it was the third best receiving season in Alabama football history. And so – you know, do I expect that to happen with Burden? Uh, not necessarily, but I also going into last year, my expectations for Jamison Williams compared to the expectations that I have right now for Burton, you know, were way less. And he just blew away all expectations. So who knows what could happen? You know, but I just think it was a very important get for Alabama. 
And I really like where the receiving room is heading because they got a lot of talent. They have a little bit of experience behind Burton, but he's the guy who's played a lot of football. He just played the national championship game, you know, so getting him in the mix, I think it's the perfect combination of receivers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and Hey, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's always great if you can have like one dominant Amari Cooper guy and, and you know, and he's a first round stud and he's going to be a wide receiver one in the NFL. But when you don't have that, the next best thing to have is several guys who all bring something different to the table. And I think that's sort of what Alabama's building and, and Bryce Young. Hey, just like the guys last night, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, they're, they're probably the two best in the world right now. One of the things they do is they make the wide receivers better. I mean, how many how many of you out there knew exactly who Gabriel Davis was? You know, the Bills receiver who caught four touchdowns last night. Um, you know, that's a product of, of Josh Allen. And, you know, I read something this weekend that I'm never going to forget. I can't believe I haven't read this before. And it's not a new idea, but it really put it into perspective for me as it relates to these good quarterbacks Alabama's had lately. And, and Bryce Young fits the bill, but it's run after the catch. You know, a lot of times we describe wide receivers as he's a yak guy. He's really good after he gets the ball in his hands. And I think we, we all know that. We look for receivers like that. But the fact of the matter is run after the catch is a quarterback stat. It's not just a wide receiver stat because the best quarterbacks deliver the ball in a place where the wide receiver can make something happen after the catch. If the wide receiver has to leave his feet or the ball's behind him or it's low or it's high, you can forget how good he is after the catch. It doesn't matter. He has to expend all his energy and his footwork just reeling in the ball. But a great quarterback, he puts the ball on time, right where it needs to be so his receiver can advance the ball. That's what Mahomes does. That's what Josh Allen does. That's what Bryce Young is developing. And for that very reason, we're going to see a better Jermaine Burton at Alabama than what we saw at Georgia. Completely agree with you. And that is what made Tua Tungvaloa so lethal it, with Alabama's receivers. They had so many guys who could create yardage after the catch, you know, with Jerry Judy and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell and Henry Ruggs III. And you had a quarterback who was so accurate with the football, one of the most accurate, you know, short to intermediate passers that really I've ever actually watched in college um since i've been evaluating tape and stuff which has only been probably you know six or so years now where i've really dove into it and he's you know in that time frame Tua is one of the most accurate passers that i've ever seen as far as consistently putting the football in a place where your receiver can create after the catch and that's what made alabama's rpo game so dominant while he was there you know you got quick slant stuff you need to put the football if he has to slow down you're going to give defenders a chance but what they, what they had was guys who had a lot of speed who could attack with those quick slants in the RPO game, and they catch it in stride, already having their speed built up, and then they just outrun guys to the end zone. You saw you know, one of those every other game at least, if, you, if not every game, and it really added a wrinkle and a dynamic to Alabama's offense. And Bryce Young is not as accurate as Tua is. Very few quarterbacks are. He does so many other things better than Tua that, you know, that doesn't – I'm not saying that Tua is the better overall quarterback. I'm just saying when it comes to that kind of thing – it's still a, a work in progress for Bryce, and he did show strides in that area. You also got to be able to throw with anticipation to put yourself, you know, your receiver in a, in a position to be able to create after the catch. You know, if you got to see it before you deliver it, when you see it, the defender sees it. And so, you know, you allow them more time to react. And so, you know, it's just, it's a, it's, like I said, it's a work in progress, but I love the overall makeup 
of the receiver room right now with the young talent. I mean, think about this, Jimmy. Alabama currently has 12 scholarship uh, receivers on the roster, or maybe not officially on the roster, but they're expected to have 12 scholarship receivers. 10 of the 12 were not on the roster in 2020. 10 <laughs> of the 12. Treshawn Holden and Tyu Jones-Bell are the only two who were. Every single one of the rest of them were not. And that is wild to think about. It's a new group. It's, you know, there are going to be some growing pains as far as figuring out who's going to go where and who's going to be, you know, productive. But, you know, like I said, I've been hearing that Alabama really wanted an experienced receiver out of the portal, but they just didn't want experience. If they wanted that, then there were plenty of options, but they wanted a guy who could be a dynamic threat, a top shelf talent on top of having experience. And that really limited the playing field or, you know, or, or limited the, the available options is I guess the better way to put it. And they finally found that guy after he entered the portal in Burton. Alabama has to be thanking Georgia so much for welcoming Stetson Bennett back. Because in my opinion, if they don't do that, if they're moving on to a, you know, a guy who has a little bit more of a reputation as far as being a passer, then you know Jermaine Burton, I know that he enjoyed his time at Georgia. Uh, it was just he wanted to play in an offense where he could get thrown the football a lot and be productive, and he's going to get that in Tuscaloosa, and it's something that he probably wasn't going to get in Athens. Yeah, it's going to be hard to be a first-round pick out of that offense. And, you know, uh, I, and I don't begrudge the kid for being a little selfish because you have to be. This is – you only get one career. You only have one chance to be drafted. Uh, he caught, you know, 24 balls his freshman year, 26 balls his sophomore year. I think he looks at Alabama as like, I should catch 60 balls there. I mean, I want to go someplace where I can catch 60 balls so I can really audition – uh, to, to play in the National Football League. Jermaine Burton does have NFL measurables. He has NFL size, NFL speed, and NFL ability. So uh, I get it. Uh, Jamison Williams left for somewhat of a similar reason. Now, his was more of a, you know, it was crowded ahead of him. And, and we see we see now on, with all the mocks that, that the, the two kids ahead of him, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, they're in every mock. They're in every mock. And Jamison is too. But boy, what a, what a wide receiver room they had at Ohio State with that group, and and they still have a you know first round pick next year, and the, and the the kid whose name I can't pronounce, the Jigba Smith or whatever, Jackson Smith hyphen something that I haven't learned to say yet. Yeah, and the Jigba I think is how you say it. I don't know. The Jigba I think I think the Jigba is exactly. Yeah, and it's Smith and Jigba, not the other way around. You're right. Right. So uh, no Burton. Hey, one one final thing I'll say about Jermaine Burton that. We're always looking for clues as to how Nick Saban does this. It can't be a coincidence now. The last five out of the portal, the last five elite kids that were all heavily recruited by Alabama out of high school. You could argue Alabama finished in second. I don't know if that's totally accurate, but it's close to accurate. You could argue Alabama finished in second for all five of those kids. Eli Ricks, Jameer Gibbs, now Jermaine Burton, Jamison Williams the year before, Henry Toho Toho the year before. All five almost went to Alabama. That, what that means is we knew those kids. Saban knows them. The assistants know them. There was some experience in getting to know them. People were like earlier, how come Alabama didn't go get that, that UTEP wide receiver? Uh, you know, that, that guy had big-time numbers. He looks like a big-time player. Well, Alabama didn't know that kid. They had no relationship yeah. with him. You know, he, he, you know he, he, he might be a bad kid. Now, he all, also might be an Eagle Scout. That helps grandmas across the road at busy intersections. I don't know, but and Alabama doesn't know. They don't know the kid, but Alabama does know these five kids. And and if you're looking for a pattern, it's it's right there, a blinking light. It's 
it's clearly important to Nick Saban that, that they know these kids and they know what they're getting, not just on the field, but off the field as well. What a great point. Um, and it's something that I hadn't even really thought about, but you're 100% right. I mean, a lot of these players that enter the portal, if Alabama is not super familiar with them and you're bringing them up as a fan as a possibility, not saying that they won't go get that guy, but they have to do a lot more due diligence because they haven't yet. You know, they like that kid from UTEP, Cowing, I think, is or Cower yeah. or Cowing. Um, yeah. Cowing. You know, that, that's a guy that they didn't recruit a lot coming out of high school. You know, a, a lot of people didn't recruit him out of high school, which is why he ended up at UTEP, and he ended up doing a lot of good things. But then you got to go dig into his past and make sure that, you know, what you're – because he's got to be able to fit not only, you know, what you're looking for on the field. He's got to fit your locker room. You know, you can't have, you know, prob- – and I'm not saying that he's a problem at all. I mean, to my knowledge, I mean, he's a very well-thought-of kid, I mean, which is very limited knowledge. But I'm saying that, you know, there, there's a lot of due diligence that you have to go do without which you don't have to do with these players that you're already familiar with and I think that he's going to be a huge part of the offense and we know that we know Brooks is going to be involved you know we know Treshawn Holden and Jojo Earl and, and Ajayi Hall you know really they got five receivers right now that I could would say you know there are a couple that you're very confident in and then there's a few that you're saying I think I could see probably that being the top five but I also think that you know Jojo Earl was a guy who came in even though he wasn't an early enrollee he added some explosiveness to the slot position that lacked explosiveness with a guy like Slade Bolden. He was a nice change of pace uh, option that you could put in there. He had a very specific role that he could fill. He ended up not living up to, you know, a lot of the preseason hype. He did get injured, but before that, ended up not having the kind of season that a lot of us had jumped on the bandwagon and believed that he was going to have, and that's okay. Um, Still a lot of belief in him moving forward, but the point is, is that the coaching staff saw something specific that he gave the offense. One of these five freshman receivers, you know, Shaz Preston, Aaron Anderson, Kendrick Law, Kobe Prentice, Isaiah Bond, one of those five guys is going to have a skill set, probably a guy who can win deep and be a big play threat or at least take the top off of defenses. Might not get targeted as much as Jamison Williams did in, in going deep, but just having that threat, providing some big plays, maybe not seeing a lot of action, maybe not seeing a lot of targets, but when they're in there, they're a threat to, to win vertically. Um, and whichever one does that, you know, the most consistent at a high level, I could see, you know, them having a very specific role similar to what they had wanted and expected from JoJo Earl. Um, and we'll kind of have to see how that all ends up playing out. Talked a lot about the receivers. Let's talk about this new uh, final on 300 rankings for the 2022 class because Alabama, uh, breaking down the numbers, they had 15 of their 23 signees are top 100 prospects on this on 300, five of them being five-star prospect. And there are some names here that are five stars that might surprise Alabama fans and other fans around the country a little bit. It doesn't surprise me. It shouldn't surprise Alabama fans, but just based off of where other people had them ranked, it might be shocking. So Jeremiah Alexander is a guy who, you know, had a little bit of a tumble. He was number 19 in the previous rankings. Now he's ranked number 32. Did hang on to that five-star status. He's, you know, a top 10 prospect with other recruiting services. You know, Jimmy, what are your thoughts on Jeremiah Alexander? Well, I'm a huge, huge fan. Uh, 32, is it's a little surprising because other services have him higher. I sort of get it uh, in this in this one sense. Uh, other people may not may not agree, but I'm very, when it comes to five stars for myself, although I, I don't get to set the policy, but myself, 
I think if you are a five-star, you should have NFL measurables or you should have, you should be the prototype. You should not be an overachiever. You shouldn't be the, wow, he's really good for a 5'10 inside linebacker. That should never be a five-star. To me, five-stars are great players who have prototypical measurables. And Jeremiah Alexander has good measurables, they're good, but he's also not the longest guy. For a guy who's going to play outside, for a guy who's going to play Will Anderson's position, a guy who's going to play Dallas Turner's position, he's shorter than those guys. He's not as long as those two are, and he's not as long as the ideal guy is. So I think for that reason alone, I can be talked into ranking him a little lower because he's not prototypical six five most edge guys the edge flash rushers they're six five some are even six six they're certainly six four jeremiah's more like six two and a half you know he's he's not the longest guy so you can talk me into that ranking uh but hey even if he is in fact the 32nd best player in the country that's his age that makes him a future first round draft pick it makes him a guy who's very likely to be an immediate impact player, and I think he is. Despite Alabama's depth at outside linebacker, I think Jeremiah's a lot like Dallas Turner, and that's why I compare him to, by the way. Uh, I, I think it's going to be very difficult to keep Jeremiah off the field. And, and these older kids that are already there, watch out. He's coming for your job. He, he's he's going to be very good. I think Thompson High School has also prepared him uh, he plays a tough schedule, plays against good competition, plays against good competition in practice, um, played in a sophisticated system. He's used to high expectations. He's used to, hey, win a state championship or this whole season suck. He, he, he's used to this. He had, he's a Saban bot. He's got great intangibles. Uh, like I said, if anything, 32, he's, he's underrated, but uh, you shouldn't ever as a fan be like, oh, man, what do you mean only 32? It's a big freaking deal to be the 32nd best prospect in the United States of America. Well, we agree so much. It's ridiculous. But the, the lack of length. We're very smart. Yeah. You know, great. I think, what is it? Great minds think alike. Isn't that the, isn't that the, the line? But, you know, the lack of length. I mean, I was surprised. I know he had been listed as, at 6'2". The on three profile that has him, you know, that right now they have him listed at 6'1". And I'm guessing they got a new measurement somewhere. And so 6'1 for an outside linebacker is not long at all. And I think that when they do these rankings, it's not only about, you know, I agree with you. I think that he can come in right away and be a contributor if he had to be a starter, which he won't be asked to outside of some injuries. But if he was asked to be a starter, I think he could come in and do it because I think he's already college ready in a lot of ways. I don't think that, you know, he's got just ridiculously, you know, high upside. I think in some, I'm not saying he's maxed out, but, you know, because of his, you know, a, a lot of these guys have natural length and athleticism and stuff, and, and he is a good athlete. He's thickly built, very powerful player. If you're going to watch him, you know, rush off the edge, I think he does his best work converting speed to power, uh, being more of a bull rush type. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that he can't bend the edge and things like that. I just don't think he has as much explosiveness and, and bendiness as some of these other players, which is why, you know, I could I could see him falling a little bit too. But he's a guy that's going to be able to come in and, and he could be a very steady, solid contributor starter uh, with, you know, he could end up being a Carl Lawson type. Lawson, there, I think he had long arms. I don't know what. Dude, it is crazy, our brains and how they think a lot. I was about to spring Carl Lawson on you. I mean, <laughs> I literally, that's crazy. I, I, cause I, I mean, I hate to interrupt. I, no, I literally, 
I literally was going to say skill sets like Dallas Turner, but he's not built like Dallas Turner. He's built a little more like Ryan Anderson. And I was going to talk about how all of my comps are Bama comps because everybody listens to us as an Alabama fan. And that's the kids games that they really know. But I was going to say, but the fact of the matter is maybe the best comp for him is Carl Lawson. And, and you already said that. So it is crazy, dude. We our, our football brains are the same for, for, for better, for better or worse. They're the same. Well, yeah. And, and that's just, that is, it, they're very similarly built. They're very similarly ranked coming out of high school. And I think that if you're Alabama, as long as Jeremiah Alexander can stay healthy, one of the big issues that hurt Carl Lawson, he's been a very good NFL player, but whether it be at Auburn or whether it be on the NFL level, he hadn't been able to stay healthy. You know, he missed, he's on a big free agent contract this off season, this past off season with the jets ended up missing, you know, pretty much the entire season. Um, so the best ability is availability and Jeremiah Alexander, he can be a Carl Lawson type for Alabama as long as he can stay healthy and maybe he could be an even better version because of that. But you know, the next guy on the list, Ty Simpson checks in at number 30. He was ranked number 33 in the previous rankings of climb three spots. Jimmy, you know, you're the quarterback, QB country expert. So uh, what do you think about old Ty Simpson? Uh, I, lo I love Ty Simpson. Uh, I, I love Ty Simpson as a prospect before I knew he was headed to Alabama. Uh, I think as a really young prospect, it was assumed he would go to Tennessee. Uh, I said back then that Ty Simpson might be the quarterback that turns Tennessee around entirely because I think Tennessee's sort of been a transcendent quarterback away from being the old Tennessee again and uh, as an Alabama fan I was worried that person would be Ty Simpson and then he ends up at Alabama which makes me really happy uh check so many boxes uh I, I think he's going to have a big career and I know we spend a lot of time on the boards uh and on in social media talking about the 23 class and Arch Manning who Alabama's trying very hard to sign um uh, I'll just go ahead and say it because I'm going to be accused of sour grapes if it happens. But if it happens that Arch Manning signs with someone other than Alabama, uh, I will be upset for less than one full second. Why? Ty Simpson. Uh, I, I, I don't think as, as highly as I think of Arch, and I, I think Ty Simpson is just as good of a prospect as Arch. And, and by that, I mean, I, I fully suspect Ty will be a star college quarterback and a good NFL prospect, particularly in the modern game, uh, because he has quick feet. He's an athlete. He has arm talent. Uh, his intangibles are through the roof. Uh, if you think, well, I don't know if he has a big arm, you're wrong. He has a big arm. Uh, Ty Simpson is a great prospect. Uh, and, and the fact that he's, he's a five-star uh, makes perfect sense to me. What I like about Ty Simpson is that in today's college football, he fits the bill of a, a very high-profile quarterback. You know, he, he's able to put a strain on defenses with his arm. He's able to do it with his legs. He has the ability to improvise and be a very creative player when things break down around him. You know, he's got, you know, solid arm strength. You know, I wouldn't say it's up there with the Matthew Staffords, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allens of the world by any means, the Patrick Mahomes of the world. But, you know, he certainly has got a better-than-average arm which is going to be able to make every throw that you're going to ask of him to make. And he's going to be able to do it with velocity and, and arm strength. And so, you know, getting the ball where it needs to go, putting a strain on defenses with your legs and being able to, you know, create when things break down around you, I think that fits college football perfect. And, you know, with where the game is not only at right now, but where it's heading. And so I really like his future. I think it will be very fascinating. Everybody knows that Bryce Young, barring injury, is going to be Alabama's quarterback in 2022. 
he's also going to be a junior, you know, with, and with his lack of size, maybe he chooses to come back, but here's the thing where he's going to go, you know, in the 2023 draft is probably where he's going to go in the 2024 draft because he's not changing his size by coming back for a year, which is why, you know, you might have that weakness, but NFL evaluators, they're not going to gain much if he ends up, you know, as long as he has, you know, a similar year to what he did this year, him doing that for a third season in a row is really not going to benefit him anymore in the odds of NFL evaluators, which is why I think, you know, people have brought up, well, you know, he's a small guy. He might choose to come back. Him coming back just because he's small uh, helps him none because he's going to be small in 2024 in that draft as well. So what I'll be curious to see is to watch Ty Simpson and Jalen Milrow have that quarterback battle because I, I also still really like Milrow and his future outlook, but that will be, a, you know, an interesting battle because Milrow will be going into his third season in Tuscaloosa, Ty Simpson will be going into his second, and that will be a fun battle to watch. So I'm very excited to check that out. Uh, next player on the list, checking in at number 27, had quite the climb, and I love it. There are a couple players on this list that I just, when I watched them, I saw where on three has them ranked. I saw it, and I understood it. And that's Amari Black, the tight end. You know, this is a guy that can come in and fill a void being that, you know, move tight end. You can flex him out wide. Really, you're not going to use him a whole lot being an inline guy. I feel like that completely takes away a lot of his skill set. Um, so while he's listed as a tight end and you're going to play him as a move tight end a little bit, you're also going to be splitting him out wide or flexing him out wide. Big slot, perimeter receiver in the red zone. Let him go up and win 50-50 balls. Very great at contested catches. He's a big body guy, you know, 6'4", 220 pounds. He's not super thick. I think he's going to continue to get bigger. I could see him playing in that 230 to 235 range. I think he's a lot more physical and a lot more, you know, productive at the catch point than even a guy like Jaleel Billingsley. And I think he's got more reliable hands than Jaleel Billingsley showed this past season. But in a lot of ways, the way they run, the way they move, their athleticism, very similar. But hopefully, Amari Black ends up being a more – you know, a better fit for Alabama long-term. So what are your thoughts on uh, Mari Nablock and him climbing from number 50 overall to number 27? That's a 23-spot jump, quite the the climb. He earns five-star status. What do you think about it, Jimmy? Well, my first thought is this is one of the many reasons, but but one of the top reasons I like on three so much, and I'm not I'm not saying that just, just because I'm a company man, which I am, but no, I mean, I, if I wasn't working for on three and, and I'm still doing podcasts, I would be complimenting on three over this because most we've grown up in an era where a lot of the recruiting rankings mirror each other because uh, it takes, it takes some balls to step out on the limb and, and, and say, Hey, Hey, we, we think this guy's better than y'all think we, we we're really high on this guy or the converse, you know, the, we're not quite as high on this dude as y'all are. That takes some, some guts. It's, 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 it's a tough thing. Most fans don't, comprehend how hard this is and and the disagreement i tell people all the time they don't believe me but it's, it's still true when alabama's deciding whether to take somebody or not and you got all 10 coaches in a recruiting meeting and they're showing the film uh there's almost always disagreement take or not take not every kid is julio i mean it, it, there's there's a lot of gray area and all this stuff so i i'm really proud to, to work for a company that 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 is is very confident in their own opinion because we have good people that do this and smart people that do this. And I think they're going to be proven right about Amari. Uh, his upside is, is, is great. Uh, I like how we talked about how Ty Simpson's a modern quarterback. I think Amari is the modern uh, tight end. 
in the sense that we're not going to see him, like as you said, at tight end all the time. We won't see him at the traditional Y position. For most of my life, Alabama's tight end has really been a third tackle. That's the offense that we've run. Uh, and it's still necessary for, for someone that plays that position to be physical. I assure you guys, as much as we see them catch balls, Rob Gronkowski and George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, who won the game last night, uh, these are tough guys. These are not these are not soft big dudes who just are huge wide receivers. They're they're tough guys. So Amari has to prove that toughness part. I think it's apparent on tape that he has that sort of ability. But unlike Jeremiah Alexander, he's a five star because he's so so good. Amari's a different type of five star. He's a five star because he can be good. He can be. He can grow into something that is really a, a living mismatch. Uh, so with Amari, it's a little more potential. That's what makes him a, a tougher evaluation. With Jeremiah, it's, well, we know exactly what we're getting. Is he too short? No, no, no. He's just too good. He's going to be good, period. Uh, with Amari, it's, wow. Um, I mean, are we going to be comparing this guy to Kyle Pitts one day? Uh, I think it's a reasonable question. So I like it. I love the hands. Uh, he's just a big, big wide receiver. Uh, what, what I would tell the kid is, hey, hey, if you want to play this game for a long time and make millions of dollars, you need to commit yourself to to the Y position. And by that meaning, don't I see this when I watch high school tape? I don't mean to. I'm not off on a tangent here. I, I can see watch. I watch so much high school tape sometimes with these big time prima donna receivers whether the team's in the huddle or they're calling the play on the field, if the play's not called to them, they have a body language that they mope when they're not the guy on the play and they got to go block for their teammates. I've seen it with a lot of kids. I say that to say, Amari, you will make millions playing in this league if you convince yourself, I'm going to get big and strong and I'm going to be a quality blocker a quality blocker in the tackle box. If that's your number one commitment and the pass receiving stuff just takes care of itself, you're going to play this game for a long time and make a lot of money. Don't fool yourself into believing that Travis Kelsey, who I think is a real good, a real good comp for him, uh, isn't a tough guy and a quality blocker. He is. Yeah, I think do think it's very important that you try to expand your skill set as much as you possibly can. And what he does well now, you know, having reliable hands, being able to win at the catch point, win 50-50 balls, he can create after the catch for a tight end, a big body guy, a lot more athletic than you would get, you know, a lot of these tight ends out here. So he can create after the catch, does a lot of things on the receiving end very well. Now it's time, you know, you're you're never going to be Rob Gronkowski. You, you know, you're never going to be asked to line up a lot in line and wash, you know, defensive ends down, you know, on down blocks and things like that. That's never going to be what, what Alabama asked him to do. At least if they do, it's going to be very rare. But when you are presented with the opportunity or, or you're expected to be able to block guys, if you're lined up as a big slot and you got to, you know, get out there on the, the defensive back and get him blocked and create, you know, if it's like some kind of screen pass and you got to block, just whatever it is, take your opportunities, make the most of it, and become a guy who's a, a huge team player. And I think that he's going to be a huge part of Alabama's offense in future years and, and he's been one of the guys that i've said i think he feels a specific need for alabama which is why i could see him getting on the field if he's doing what he needs to do off the field 
Alabama's got an inline guy who can be flexed out in Cameron Latou. They they flexed him out a little bit this past year. They've got Kendall Randolph, who's coming back. As you know, he, I think he actually ends up competing uh, along the offensive line. But if he doesn't win one of those jobs, he'll end up probably playing that you know offensive line uh, tight end hybrid role, being a big bodied extra blocker when they need it. You got Robbie Oots, who is going to be able to you know he's going to play that inline role as well. He's a good blocker. He's also an underrated receiver, but he's not a dynamic receiver. At the tight end position, Amari to Black can be that dynamic presence, and it's a big reason why I think he could end up having, you know, some type of role during his first season. So that's a guy to look out for. Next player on the list, Tyler Booker, checked in at number 14. He had a huge climb. I guess probably the biggest climb of anybody. He climbed 34 spots. He went from number 48 overall all the way to number 14. Offensive tackle prospect has some inside out ability. I think, you know, he played right tackle early in his high school career, kicked over to the left side. So, you know, has the ability to play right or left tackle, but also being 6'5, 325, I also think he could play guard. So, uh, Jimmy, what are your thoughts on Tyler Booker? Yeah, I think he arose uh, that high due to his performance uh, in the National All Star game. I think it was the Under Armour game. He was in, uh, I forget which one, but what what the one he was in, he was dominant. Some people thought he was the best prospect in the whole game, which is rare. That's rarely said for an offensive lineman. But a lot of the analysts that were there, feet boots on the ground, felt like Booker was the best prospect in the whole event. Uh, tremendous upside. Uh, he could be good quickly coming from IMG. Uh, but we said the same thing about J.C. Latham a year ago. I, I would just say, uh, because we just had this recent experience with five-star tackles uh, and J.C. Latham and Tommy Brockermeyer, there is reason to hope that Tyler Booker shows up ready to play, that he shows up ready to contend for a starting tackle spot because both tackle spots are wide open at Alabama next fall. So let's hope that he does. And if he doesn't, that's okay too, because this is a developmental position and it's rare. Kids, kids don't normally show up Jonah Williams. They don't normally show up Andre Smith. That's our Cyrus Quandra. That's not a normal thing to show up ready to play on the offensive line in the SEC. So I'm hopeful. I will hope all spring and summer that Tyler Booker uh, is in a position to win a tackle spot. And it's amazing that we could talk about that with a straight face. If he doesn't win the starting spot, that doesn't mean that that he won't be as good as we hope. Uh, I, I, th I think the, the upside there is just hugely significant. Uh, and frankly, as good as Latham and Brockermeyer were as prospects, uh, I rank Booker right alongside or above them. I mean, he, he's just he is just as almost as good as you can hope for in a tackle prospect. And again, I said the same thing last year about Latham and Brockermeyer, and I'm not backing off of that yet, not, not by any stretch. Here's what I like about Tyler Booker. They're not the same player, but when Jedrick Wills was coming out of high school, he was that borderline five-star, very highly rated four-star prospect too. And I, what I loved about him and thought he could come in and contribute early in his career was the fact that he played with such a nastiness. He already had the size. You knew that, you know, now granted, I think my biggest surprise for him is that he was able to make the transition from pretty much playing nothing but right tackle at Alabama to playing left tackle in the NFL and has immediately made that switch and played at a high level. That is very difficult to do, and it's something that I wasn't expecting. But I, I saw a guy who, you know, when he was a part of that recruiting class, I was just getting into podcasts and, and radio interviews and all that stuff. And I can remember, I, I would love to go back and find out which show it was on, but I talked very similarly about Jedrick Wills than how I'm about to talk about Tyler Booker. 
And it was, you know, this is a guy that can play right tackle. He's, he's a mauler in the run game, very physical, can move guys in the run game. He has the size that you look for, but long-term, I could see him being just an elite-level guard, and that's where I think his absolute floor is as far as being an NFL prospect. I think he can play tackle. He's athletic enough, and I think that that's where Alabama is probably going to want him. But if they ever, you know, he's he kind of struggles a little bit with handling speed, you know, kind of like DJ Fluker. He did at times, you know, at Alabama. He did it at times in the NFL, and then they moved him to guard. And so I could see something similar with Tyler Booker where he gets a shot at right tackle. You might even see him play some left tackle. I think he could survive on that side as well. He played that at IMG. But, you know, guard, I think, is where you can really take things to a whole new level as far as uh, his skill set and, and him and being a mauler in the run game, a little inconsistent in pass protection, but still has high upside and has still been good in that area. It's just I think he's a better run blocker at this point in his career than he is a pass protector. And what you were talking about, the Under Armour All-American game is the one that he participated in and did extremely well. The other player who participated and did extremely well that's a part of this class um, who is, has also made quite the climb is Jahad Campbell, who went from being the number 30 overall player, which was a higher than a lot of other places, to being number three. He is the number three overall player in the On 300 rankings. And I absolutely love where they have him. You know, he is a, another player that the more I've watched him, you know, he's long, he's six, three and a half, six, four. He has length, you know, 220 pounds. So he's got explosiveness. He's got a, a great first step. He's got the length that you look for at the position compared to maybe somebody like Jeremiah Alexander. So I think he could survive out there on the edge and be an extremely high profile edge, you know, pass rusher, or he's also got the ability to play well in space. He can drop into coverage you know, he's athletic, so he can play off-ball linebacker or he can play out there on the edge. Very Rashawn Evans, Dylan Moses-esque, where you don't really know exactly where he's going to play at Alabama. He could end up playing either one. But regardless of where he, he ends up, you see a guy who's going to be a very dynamic player for Alabama's defense. So, Jimmy, what are your thoughts on Jahad Campbell? Again, uh, complimenting our, our employer on three for having the guts to, to say, hey, y'all are all wrong. I know y'all all like this guy. We love this guy. And again, it takes guts to do that because people keep score. People keep score. The fans, and that's great that y'all do. It's great that you do. I'm glad you do to hold everybody accountable. Keep score. Check back in five years. If on three's wrong, say so. If on three's right, definitely say so. Uh, I, I just love that, that it's a different ranking. Uh, and I love that they're high on this guy. To me, the comp says it all uh, because I'm very confident in this one in terms of like who he's a lot like. And I hope everybody agrees. And then, then you'll agree with the ranking because he was such a good player. But, but this kid is Rashawn Evans to me uh, at the same age where, you know, when Rashawn was coming out of Auburn High School, uh, he was mostly seen as an edge prospect. Uh, he was mostly seen as a, that's what he did in high school. He lined up outside and, and he just beat the, the snap to the quarterback. And, and his highlight tape is just a lot of him playing downhill. However, he flashed such incredible athleticism. It was easy to say, you know what? This kid can play standing up. This kid can run down backs. This kid can mix paint in the tackle box with big backs and, and, and a blocking tight ends and take on offensive linemen. And you could see that he had that potential, even though in his highlight tape, he's mostly just playing downhill. Uh, it reminds me of, of Rashawn. Uh, I was taught back then, this is a long time ago now, um, Rashawn was a four-star and ranked somewhere around 60 or 70 in the country at the time I had this conversation. But I, I, I talked to someone in the recruiting industry that has a lot to do with the rankings 
And uh, they, they smartly don't listen to me all the time. But uh, this time I said, hey, uh, do, me, do me a little favor. And this is, by the way, when I had this conversation, I thought the kid was going to Auburn. Almost everybody thought Rashawn was going to go to Auburn at the time. His dad was a significant player in Auburn history. But I thought the kid was going to Auburn when I had this conversation. But I've always been sort of an advocate for, for the in-state talent. And so I had this guy on the phone. He's pretty significant in, in the rankings process. And I'm like, uh, this is going to drive you crazy. Uh, but uh, could you pull up the, the huddle highlight tape on Rashawn Evans? And, 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 and he pulled it up. So we're watching it together. And I just asked a simple question. Why is he not a five-star? Is there a box that we're missing here? What, what, what box is unchecked by this guy? And we watch the tape, and then what do you know about, you know, 10 days later, he's a five-star. So I'll, I'll take total credit for that, Rashawn. Uh, just, just spell my name right on the check. Um, I tell that, that story to say, I see the same kid here. I, I think Jihad Campbell is the same kid. I think if you left him, at outside linebacker and he rushed the passer he's a two or three year starter at Alabama and a significant pass rusher and a third down nightmare I also think if you add just a little bit of weight to the guy and they almost all add that weight if you get him up to 230 and that's coming I think you can line him up inside at will linebacker and he'll do everything he'll be a, a nightmare on the blitz but he will run down backs he will spy athletic quarterbacks he will drop into coverage and use his long arms to be just a weapon uh, in zone coverage. Uh, he will one-on-one -on -one cover tight ends and backs down the field. Uh, I, I, and again, I saw the same kid in Rashawn Evans. Rashawn's been a really good NFL player, was a high draft pick at Alabama. Uh, I, I just see the same kid here in Jihad Campbell. And, and in retrospect, uh, I think a lot of people would agree it would have been fair to put Rashawn number three when he came out of high school based on the impact he had at Alabama and now for the Tennessee Titans in the NFL. Here's what I like about Jihad Campbell a little bit more than I liked about Rashawn Evans. If you think back, very explosive player. First of all, we'll start, I guess, with the physical stuff. Uh, I think that Jihad Campbell has a lot more of the natural link that you look for at outside linebacker. I know at Alabama, Rashawn Evans was listed at 6'3". When he went to the combine, he was listed at 6'2". He had 32 and a quarter inch arms. That's not very long arms. It's not bad for, for an inside linebacker, but for an outside linebacker who's got to have, you know, you're going against a lot of tackles with, you know, really long arms. You need to be able to have that length. And, and Rashawn Evans could have survived as an outside linebacker, in my opinion, if he would have stayed there. Um, at, it, at Alabama, yeah. Yeah, Maybe. but, you know, Jihad Campbell, I think – now, I don't have arm measurements on him, but he just looks – when I watch him on tape, he looks like he has longer arms. He's six three and a half, six four ish you know, in that kind of range rather than being six two or even, you know, six three as Alabama listed. And maybe he gets to, you know, the combine here in a few years and he's six three. You know, that, that's very possible. I wouldn't be shocked at all. But that's one area that I think naturally he just has a better can, – can survive out there on the edge more if they decided to leave him there. The other part, too – is Rashawn Evans, as explosive as he was, it took him a little while. Now, he made the transition fairly quickly, you know, in pretty much a year's time, but he was not exactly comfortable playing in space and dropping in coverage, which is why when Alabama first started making that transition, he played kind of a, you know, very shallow off-ball linebacker that really spied the quarterback, and he had incredible closing speed, but he wasn't really being asked too much to drop into coverage. You know, he was being used in a very specific role when they were facing dual threat quarterbacks they needed to try to contain. 
And you could just tell when he was asked to drop into coverage, it, he wasn't all, he looked a little lost at times. I love what Jaha Campbell can do in space right now. I love what he can do in coverage. We've only got to see it a little bit, you know, from what I've got to watch, but he just looks natural. He looks comfortable playing in that role. And that's why I think that he can make the transition to inside linebacker sooner if they needed him to. Uh, but very high upside player who can play on the outside. He can play on the inside and think he can end up being a very impactful player for Alabama. And just having that guy who can have that versatility. You know, if you start getting a little thin at outside linebacker, if he's playing inside linebacker, you kick him out there and you've kind of, you haven't just added a body. You've added a guy who can be impactful out there. If he's playing outside linebacker and you start getting thin at inside linebacker, he can, you know, make that transition, kick inside. And it'll take a little bit of an adjustment because it's, it's very different. I mean, you got to think, you know, an inside linebacker, you have to read and then you make your first step. You know, as if you're an outside linebacker, you're exploding off the ball. You've got to have an elite, quick first step. You're trying to beat off into tackles, whether it's run blocking, whether it's pass, um, you know, pass rushing. You have to be very quick off the football. Linebackers are more read, react. And then when that's something that Rashawn Evans did well, it's something that Reuben Foster did well. When they saw it, they were like a heat seeking missile, you know, getting in there and getting, uh, you know, mixing things up against the run. Um, I think Jahad Campbell, that's an area where he's not quite on their level, but I think as you've got more comfortable, he could certainly get, uh, you know, in that range. I don't think he quite has the same level of closing speed as, you know, Rashawn Evans or Reuben Foster or even, you know, Dylan Moses. His closing speed before that knee injury was incredible. Uh, whether he was playing out there on the edge or whether he was playing off-ball linebacker, great sideline-to-sideline guy. And Jahad Campbell, I think, can get sideline-to-sideline, but I don't see that same level of explosiveness, even though he's very athletic. I think he runs like a four or five forty. So really like what he brings to the table. I like what this entire class for Alabama is going to be able to bring. I think you got a lot of good players. It's very offense heavy, you know, with a lot of their top, you know, like I said, they have 15 top 100 prospects. I want to say 10 of them are on the offensive side of the football. That makes sense. The defense is a lot more certain right now. They've added impactful defensive players who can come in, you know, fill specific roles, can fill depth spots, but offensively, you're trying to figure a lot of things out, and they've added a lot of bodies at receiver and, you know, offensive linemen who can contribute and, you know, a tight end who can fill a specific role. So I really like this group, Jimmy. Is there anything else you got? No, and I think we'll counterbalance that. It's too early to say anything, uh, you know, emphatically, but it looks like uh, defensively is where this 23 class is going to be good. So you've signed the offense of 22. You signed the defense of 23. Uh, it, it sort of looks like. And while Alabama's, you know, one of the things they do is, is I don't know how everybody, if everybody notices this, I did years ago, and, and, and it's, you know, what, what Nick tries to do every year is try to sign a whole team. I mean, he is bringing over 20 guys a year in. Uh, it's not perfect. It's not literally an entire team, but it almost is, you know, a quarterback, a running back or two, three or four receivers, a tight end or two, three or four offensive linemen, three or four defensive linemen, four linebackers, four defensive backs. I mean, he he's signing a whole team every year, but there's also an emphasis on okay, what 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 positions are most important to fill, and uh, and it does seem like 22 was was offensive heavy. I, I think 23 will be defensive heavy. But I love this group. I love those five stars. I love how on threes ranked them. It's one more reason everybody needs to subscribe to to, to the Bama on three site because this is just the beginning. It's just the beginning. Uh, I, I I I truly believe. I emphatically bet on three is going to uh, dominate this industry. It's going to dominate college, college football is changing. Everything is changing. One of the other things that's changing is on three sports on three sports is going to be 
the dominant player in this industry. And uh, everyone needs to subscribe and, and get on board now. 100%. Man, this has been fun. I uh, love talking about these new prospects, the next wave of guys. You know, I love talking about Jermaine Burton. I think he's going to do, you know, great things for Alabama. Uh, you know, came up short this season as far as a national title. But I think at this point, everybody can agree. You know, people have jumped off the whole, you know, Nick, the dynasty is over. Uh, we've seen people bring that up a lot of, you know, off seasons. I think people are finally learning their lesson. And you're not hearing quite as much, you know, of that because people understand with the NIL stuff and the transfer portal and the fact that Nick Saban and Alabama are going to continue to take advantage of that and figure out ways to, to, you know, give themselves an, an edge and stuff like that. They're going to remain competitive and remain in the national title picture each and every year. And this team in 2022, uh, you know, from all everything that I'm seeing on paper, you know, you got to watch it happen. You got to watch the leadership take over and have the the right locker room dynamic but everything is pointing towards Alabama having a much better season in 2022 than they did in 2021, which is scary because of what happened. You know, Alabama came close to winning a national title this year. So, all right, Jimmy, I appreciate you hopping on here with me, and we'll be talking a little bit more uh, tomorrow. Um, you know, we're going to get creative and some of the stuff that we're going to be covering. Don't want to reveal that just yet, but we appreciate you guys tuning in. This has been the Bam on 3 Show, and I'm your host, Clint Lamb. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.